Hi, I'm Dr. Paula Redmond, a clinical psychologist, and you're listening to the When Work Hurts podcast. On this show, I want to explore the stories behind the statistics of the mental health crisis facing healthcare professionals today, and to provide hope for a way out through compassion, connection, and creativity. Join me as I talk to inspiring clinicians and thought leaders in healthcare about their unique insights and learn how we can support ourselves and each other when work hurts. In this bonus episode, Dr. Chris Irons guides us through an exercise in warming up our compassion muscles for work, as well as winding down at the end of the day. First thing is that we have the saying in compassion-focused therapy, uh, prepare your body to help your mind. So prepare the body to help the mind. So what this means really is, is that we, uh, if we're sat down, we place our feet about shoulder width apart on the floor. So you've got this sort of sense of connection between your, your feet and the ground. We then just pay attention to our body posture. So what you're trying to do is to sit nice and upright in the chair. So in a sort of confident and alert way. So it needs to feel comfortable for you, but in a sort of confident upright position and maybe if people can they just open their shoulders slightly so just roll your shoulders back a little bit so this nice open confident bit at the top of your chest see if you can keep your head in an alert position as we've just prepared the body here we're now just going to gently bring awareness into the here and now so we can start by noticing the contact points between our feet and the floor. Maybe you can just notice now the contact between your body and the chair. And now see if you can begin to pay attention to your breathing and mindfully just notice the sensations that are present as you breathe in and as you breathe out. As you're doing that, just see what it's like to begin to bring a soothing or calming breathing rhythm to your body. To see if you can, if it feels comfortable, allow your breathing rhythm to slow down a little bit. Now from this position of stability and groundedness in your body, we're just going to take a few moments now to focus on this process of of warming up more fully. And to do this, what I'd like you to do is just to bring somebody to mind, maybe a a client that uh, you're working with at the moment who, who is going through a difficult time, who you know that working with them is it can be distressing or even stressful for you in some way. So with this person in mind now, we're going to focus on the qualities that we might need 
so that we can be of most help to them. So we're going to start off here with intention. If we could connect with a compassionate part of you, a part of you that wants to be helpful, a part of you that is sensitive to distress, wants to do what you can do to be caring and supportive, I'd like you just to bring to the front of your mind what you want for this client, if you are about to see them. What's your desire on their behalf from this compassionate part of you? What's your hope for them? What would you want for them? Now think about how you might go about showing that compassionate intention towards them. So maybe imagine what your facial expression might be like that would show this person your caring nature. Maybe you can imagine what your voice tone would sound like that would show your warmth your empathy, your kindness to them. Now, alongside your intention though, it's important, particularly given that this person you're working with is going through their own difficulties, their pain, their distress, it's important that we can tune in to the sense of strength and groundedness that will support our compassionate intention. So just for a moment here, just become aware again of your confident, grounded position in the chair. So notice that your calming breathing rhythm is still present. Let's just hold in mind that you can get a sense of groundedness and strength just from being aware of your body posture, upright and confident through your breathing rhythm. I'd like you just to imagine for a moment, if you do notice feeling a bit stressed or tense in the session, imagine somehow that this compassionate version of you can tolerate those feelings as they arise. It's almost like a tree with deep roots that remains standing through a storm. Just hold in mind that your compassionate self is like that. Anytime you need to, you've got your posture, you've got your breathing rhythm, and these can help you to remain grounded and help you remain connected to this compassionate intention you have for the person. Just for one moment to finish this practice, I'd like you just to imagine now that you're sat in the room with your patient, connected to this sense of 
strength, groundedness, and compassionate intention towards them. Almost taking a snapshot, a picture in your mind's eye, how this is the version of you that you're intending to be. And then you're just beginning to allow any of this focus to fade from your mind. So you're just becoming aware again of the contact between your feet and the floor, between your body and the chair. Still connected to your calming breathing rhythm. And then just slowly bringing yourself back into the room, opening your eyes. And if it's helpful, just take a moment to stretch out and just fully bring yourself back into the room. Thank you. Mm. That was really helpful. I have got a very busy day ahead, so um, <laughs> I'm very grateful. And I think there's something what struck me was, was something about um, just that sense of being able to tap into your embodiment of compassion that is kind of available to mm-hmm. you always, even when there's lots of pressures and rushing and um, I guess it feels really nice to have that as a reminder that that's always yours. No one can kind mm-hmm. of take that from you, that your your body and your ability to be in it and tap into your compassionate self, whatever's going on around is, mm. yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, one of the bits really is, is that, of course, it's, it's like many things in a way, you benefit, of course, from doing many practice runs before you run the marathon. You benefit from practicing your Portuguese or your French or whatever with a, a teacher first before you go uh, into the cafe to, to order a coffee. And so the point here is that from our perspective, we commit to ourselves here and we do this practice ourselves. We build it, we get familiar with it. So as then when I need it, I'm able to find it and engage in it uh, easily. And of course, the more that you practice this, the length of time then that you need to warm up reduces. So over a period of time, you could do this practice that I just took you through. You could do it in a minute or 90 seconds. So it doesn't have to be as long as I did it, but it's this whole thing that the more practice you do, the easier it's to find, the easier it's to find, the easier it's to embody. And some of the research that some of my colleagues have done have found that actually, when it comes to compassionate mind training, there are, there are two important factors. The first one is if you just do the practice, if you do it, you know, it doesn't have to be every day, but regularly enough, but this is a little bit like getting fit. You know, the more practice you do, the fitter you get. And let's say that it was, you know, if we were actually talking about physical fitness, you know, if we were to both go to the gym regularly for the next three months, 
we know that probably our muscles will get stronger, we might lose a bit of weight, our blood pressure might fall. You know, there's a whole bunch of things that we know are likely to be the benefits. And it's the same by doing compassionate mind training. We've got lots of studies showing that this brings some wonderful changes psychologically, levels of compassion, well-being, happiness, reductions in shame, all the stuff I was saying earlier, really. But there's another thing which I think is important here, which is, let's say, on the physical health example, that I have been going to the gym regularly for the last three months. And now let's say that for whatever reason, instead of doing this this podcast remotely and online, I was actually doing it in the room with you. So we were actually face-to-face in the room. And I was getting a train up to come and see you, uh, but actually uh, there had been some problems with roadworks and I got to the train station and I'd got literally 90 seconds to get across uh, the majority of the uh, train station and get to, uh, to the platform to catch the train in time. Now, if I had been working out for that last three months going to the gym, it, it's likely, of course, that I could utilize that fitness and put it to work in that moment when I needed it. If I hadn't done that pre-work, if I hadn't been going to the gym, it's likely that I would set off uh, my version of being Usain Bolt and then after (laughs) 10 seconds or 15 seconds, I sort of almost collapsed and I just wouldn't be able to do it. I'd miss the train and then, of course, not be able to come and do the podcast. And, And the point being is it's similar then when it comes to us and compassionate mind training. We we do the practice, uh, to get us fit in terms of our compassionate minds. But then the next bit that research has found is it's then putting those skills to work when we meet distress. So it's at that moment then when we know that we're going in to see a client who's been challenging for us, but we know that we're going to work with a client who, for example, we've been feeling a bit like an imposter and we're feeling that we're stuck. It's at those moments when we know we're distressed when people bring one of those compassionate mind training skills, a bit like an exercise we've just done, they were the people in the research that benefited the most. And so what we're trying to do here is by cultivating this and then getting you to use it when you need it, uh, this is the combination that we're trying to get then anyone really, but certainly with healthcare professionals uh, to do it. And of course, it's the same thing that like me, back in that example I was telling you about where I struggled with my colleague to receive compassion, The point is, if I have had a really crappy session and it's not gone well and my client's been angry at me or whatever it is, that's the moment where I can notice that I'm distressed from this and I can start to do something, engage in something towards myself that will be supportive, caring and helpful. Could you tell us then just how the warming down might work? Yeah, so you can do a, a version which is a little bit similar, really, to the um, the practice that we just did. Uh, so often it is helpful just to try to prepare the body and, and to engage in a breathing rhythm, so a bit calmer, a bit slower, partly because, of course, we know that this helps to trigger your parasympathetic nervous system, your vagal nerve, and in turn, this can actually help to open up your uh, capacity for reflection and thinking. So uh, doing some of these body-based practices can be helpful, but what we would be doing in the warming down bit is I would almost split the practice in half, almost from the balcony, connected to my wise, grounded, caring, compassionate self. Let me look back over the day that I have. And regardless of whether it's gone well and it's been a great day or whether it's been very difficult and painful, that this compassionate part of me can look back and just sort of register and recognize that I, I tried my best. 
that if it's been difficult, that that's okay. We have difficult days, that that's part of being a healthcare professional, it's common humanity. So we can almost do a bit of time speaking. So to speak to, to that part of self that has been engaged in that day and maybe think about what might I need to support myself if it has been a difficult day. You know, maybe I can make a decision. Do I need to speak to somebody, a friend, a colleague? Maybe tomorrow morning I can seek out uh, supervision. So there's that bit, which is almost the first half. And then the second half is going back to breathing, recharge that part of you that is caring and that is supportive and to then set your intention. So as I shift now to uh, being dad version of Chris, um, how am I going to be with my son when I go downstairs now and see him? What's my facial expression going to be like? What's my voice tone going to be like? What am I going to say to him that would be how I want to be as dad now to him or if it's my wife? Okay, regardless of the stressful day that I've had, how am I going to greet her? What are the first words that I'm going to say to her? Because I think most of us recognize that sometimes we can end up saying things to the people that we love that actually isn't really about them. It's just that we're still carrying stuff from before. And then, of course, it can lead then to them reacting to us. And before you know it, you're into this sort of nightmare scenario of a crappy evening where, of course, you didn't really want this, but it was playing through you. So it's almost like you set your intention Think about how you're going to be, how you're going to speak, how you, uh, uh, even just simple things like your voice tone, your facial expression, and then you literally go and embody that. Even if you don't completely feel that thing, you essentially go and embody that thing as much as you can do as a transition into this next phase of the evening. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please do share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. I'd love to connect with you, so do come and find me on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also sign up to my mailing list to keep up to date with future episodes and get useful psychology advice and tips straight to your inbox. All the links are in the show notes. Thanks again, and until next time, take good care.